Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como, and the goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need to know to help you in your role as a hospice and palliative care and serious illness leader and also staff member at all levels of the organization. So our goal is concise and relevant need to know for you and your role. And the bookend of all of our podcasts is always something to make you think deeper, maybe a quote about life itself and also our topic of the day. So I am excited to welcome our guest, Christine Lau. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's good to have you, Christine. You and I have known each other. We've worked together since 2003, I believe it is. Is that correct? It's hard to believe, but it, we do go back that far. We go back that far. And of course, you've come and gone a couple of times, and I'm sure you'll weave that in. In fact, why don't you go there first and just tell our listeners, what do they need to know about you and your background? Sure. So I have always worked in the field of serious illness. It's something that I knew from a young age that I wanted to do. And so I intentionally have a background in both nursing and social work. So I am a registered nurse and uh, had obtained my certification in hospice and palliative care nursing. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker and obtained my advanced palliative and hospice uh, social work certification recently. And I've worked in both capacities, both as a nurse and a social worker in hospice, in inpatient palliative care and outpatient palliative care, and had the opportunity to move into leadership positions uh, and currently focusing on uh, leadership within TCN as the vice president of operations for serious illness and care management. So really excited to bring my background in nursing and social work to build those roles up within our network and also help to build additional programs to serve patients and families better. Thank you, Christine. Well, and I love you embody my dream. I've kind of grown up in this industry now 25 years. And so most of us that came into hospice in the early days, um, well, I say the early days, it was the 90s after a decade of hospice being in existence. Um, it was all second careers for most of us, but you're part of this new generation mm -hmm. that this has been your career. So you've been at line level, worked your way up to leadership, which is really what's going to get to our topic today. Mm -hmm. And so the topic of what we're going to talk about is we were friends and now I'm your leader. Now what? <laughs> and, yeah. you, and you are someone who's actually walked this walk through your own unique mm -hmm. experience. And my personal experience is you learn best through your failures or your challenges. And I know enough of your story to know that your journey's had some challenges. And so you mm -hmm. wanna you wanna set the table with some of that? Certainly. So I was um working, you know, Chris and I were we were working together at this point in time, and I was promoted to lead the palliative care program um, for uh, the agency. And I had previously been functioning as a nurse within that um, service line and I now and had moved into team leader and now was moved into the role of director of operations for palliative care for the agency. And so now I had people who were peers as well as people who had uh, different discipline, uh, you know, not just nurses, but nurse practitioners and in primarily nurse practitioners. Um, serving that I was that I was their leader and I was serving them. And so it was a challenge both for honestly for both respects. Um, you know, moving into a leadership position and being in leadership with people who had a different um, educational background and were a different discipline. And you know it's sometimes true that people kind of revert back to more of a medical hierarchy. And is that okay for a nurse to be leading a nurse practitioner? 
Um, and then the added element of having been peers, having been friends, and now being in a position of leadership. And that did pose challenges. And and you're right, Chris, those that was not always smooth going, um, but it really helped me to learn um, so many leadership lessons and it helped me to grow as a person. And, and I definitely have, um, I have lessons that have carried forward and things I'm happy to share in this conversation to that end. Yeah, that's where we're going to go next and maybe to set the table a little bit more because I know your heart and at heart, I'd say you're a servant leader. And so sometimes when people hear, oh, you became a leader, so then you were the boss um, and then you carry yourself as a boss. And yet I know your heart, you're a servant leader. And I'll tell a quick story. Amazing how sometimes providentially those early experiences were just the perfect experiences. And for me, it was in corporate America. And I was an intern, um, I had one more semester left before I graduated from LSU, and it was at Tenneco Gas in um, Houston, Texas. And this is kind of the height of the oil and gas boom. And as interns, of course, they want you to go to work for them. And so they give you a tour within the first week. And I'll never forget the tour kind of culminated in the executive dining room. And the highlight of the executive dining room was ice sculptures every day for the executives that got to dine in the executive dining room. And so within two weeks of me being an intern, they fired the CEO and they brought in a change agent. And guess what the first thing he did is he shut down the executive dining room. And one of the things that scared the heck out of us as interns is this rumor started going around that this crazy new CEO could show up at anybody's desk and he had one question for you. How does your job support the mission of the organization? Now, today I'm like, how rich is that? At 18, 19 years old, I was scared to death, but it taught me such a wonderful lesson that leadership is not about, I am the boss and I get the perks and I know your heart. And so maybe to level set for everybody that's within our listening ears, maybe whatever your perceptions are of leadership, it's not about having a title and a position and authority over other people. We live to serve. And that's the perspective that Christine and I are coming from today. So I think that kind of allows people to then listen to you, to the lessons, Christine. So what are the top learning lessons that you got going from peer to being the leader over a department of people that, hey, we were friends, we were chummy, and then now I'm the leader? Right. You know, I definitely would say that what carried me through and made me successful, even with the the periods of rockiness, was coming from that, that servant leadership perspective. You know, I think when people have the opportunity to uh, advance in their career and and serve as a leader, it's often because they're they're showing those skills in whatever role they're in, and it's not about the it's not about the title. Um, and I think one one thing that I did well, and there's many that I didn't, but I think that one thing that I did well that helped save me was not getting tripped up on the title and authority, and remembering that the with the title came more responsibility and the focus of how to serve my team. And that that carried me through. That helped make even my missteps. Um, I was able to overcome them because that was the overarching theme. And so I think that's an important lesson of how we approach leadership. Um, a Forbes article that will attach, you know, had a wonderful um, discussion of not falling in the trap of becoming a manager and instead being a leader. And I think that really resonated with me. And I know, Chris, there's some leadership uh, lessons from our, um, from our leadership toolkit that, that reminded me of that. 
Yeah, so uh, the definition of followership, which is kind of crazy, right? We teach followership in our leadership course, but that's because there's a belief there that the greatest leaders come from the best followers. And we'll actually, those of you who are watching, I know a lot of you are just listening, but we'll superimpose the slide, but I'll describe it to you. It's got a two-by-two matrix. And so the bottom quadrant is basically people that provide high challenge and low support. Those are the ones sometimes that staff loves because they say that stuff that we all think should be said. But the problem is they're doing it from a place of I'm going to show these people up as opposed to I'm supportive of the mission of the organization. And then the bottom left-hand quadrant is those that they're not going to provide any challenge and there's no support to the organization. In fact, you call those a resource. Our joke used to be you put the mirror under him, they're breathing. That's about the extent of, of how much of a follower they are. What you're looking for is those top quadrants. And there are two. One is that person that provides high support but low challenge. Um, as a leader, as an early immature leader, I love those people because they're like, you go, Chris, we're, we're, you know, let's go take the hill. But yet they wouldn't ask me the tough questions. The best followers of which the best leaders come from is that top quadrant, quadrant one. And those are partners, people that provide high support and high challenge. So I give that back to you, Christine. That's our definition of great followers, people that will ask you the tough question, but they're coming from that great place of, I'm doing this because I believe in our mission, our common ground. And that's a lot different than, hey, um, Christine, you are awesome. You'd ask those tough questions. You stick it to the boss. And all of a sudden, now you're the boss. (laughs) Wait a minute. You've turned sides on us. And if, you know, you're able to keep your integrity if you were always coming from a place of wanting to further the mission. If you always had in mind, how can I best serve this agency? And and asking the tough questions of how could we do this better to improve, not to stick it to the boss, as you say. And so you're able to maintain your integrity as the boss because that perspective hasn't changed. That's it's true. that now you have the responsibility and the opportunity to move things forward. And so I think that also gives you the opportunity to bring your team along with you to say, you know, you have my ear. And, and you know, of course, you're going to want to coach your your team to be those higher tier followers um, and to to be focused on the mission. Um, but it's it's an opportunity then to ha- make sure their voice is heard. I can tell you some of my missteps, which often I think are probably most helpful lessons um, I would say one of, if I could do it differently, in retrospect, I would have met with everybody one-on-one be- after I had accepted the position and before I started in that position. Because, you know, it's the elephant in the room that we were friends and now you're my boss. And to ignore it and to not talk about it doesn't help things. It's always, it's an ever-present uh, issue. And so being able to be much more open and transparent and intentional about having that conversation, I think would have really helped set the stage better. And it really helped to set the tone of, you know, my focus is to be, is to be your servant, to raise your concerns, to make sure your voice is heard. And, you know, we have this shared vision of what we want to accomplish. And it would have helped set the tone in a way that I think would have, would have alleviated many of the missteps. That's really good, Christine. And I have a somewhat related story. Um, but some of us, especially if you live in a small town, and you know, if people think well of you, they might want to hire your family. So I had a family member that was working in our hospice, which is really awkward because as the CEO, 
but yet I actually I always had this rule with my kids because I've coached my kids in different sports. I just thought that was important. I would always tell my kids, because you're the coach's son or daughter, you're going to be scrutinized more than anyone else. And so the best way for us to have an enjoyable time is you've got to try harder than anyone else on that field. And as long as you do that, you'll be able to stand on the ground where people can't say, oh, you got favorite treatment. So when this family member, I sat him down, and, and I believe what you're describing is having that tough conversation up front and creating some boundaries. And so the boundaries were, number one, you have to work harder than anyone else in the organization because they're going to criticize you and even the little bit of sloughing off you might do, oh, you get favoritism. So just take that off the table, work harder than anyone else. Number two, we get home, can't talk about work. <laughs> There's this cone at work. We're not, in this case, it was my sister-in-law. We're not brother-in-law, sister-in-law. And then at home, we're not coworkers. We're then brother-in-law and sister-in-law. So we have different roles. So it created some ground rules. And it's interesting, the places where it did not work well is when we violated those rules. Most particularly when we got home and she had a rough day and she wanted to tell my wife about it. And I'm a quintessential problem solver and I'm going, oh, I can't believe that's happening in my organization. But we had great ground rules. We didn't always follow them. So. And I think your point about boundaries really resonates with me because that's something that was really important and I think would have been easier to set up front and been open and transparent about. But I think, you know, boundaries, some people think of that as, you know, building a wall around yourself or like setting yourself apart because now you're the boss. And so now you're all that. That's not, I, I know that's not what you mean by boundaries and certainly not what I mean either. It's really about saying, here are the ground rules. Here's you know, and especially if one of your coworkers is a really close friend, somebody that you don't just have lunch with at work, but who knows your family, who's been to your home, you know, how do you navigate that? And that needs to be a, a very explicit conversation of here's how we need to traverse this. I, you know, we do have, our relationship is going to have to change. Yep. It's just, things cannot stay, stay the same. That doesn't mean that the relationship, that friendship can't continue but it is going to evolve and change. And I think acknowledging that and even grieving that together, um, because, you know, it, and it may be that you drift apart, not because you think you're too good to be friends. It's because you now have, you know, different things going on in your life. Your peer group at work is, this, is different. Oftentimes our friends at work are, are related to the peer group of who we're, who we see most often. And now when the gang wants to go out to lunch, guess what? The boss isn't going to be invited and that might sting and it might feel uncomfortable for your friend. And so, you know, those things are going to naturally evolve. I don't think there's any hard and fast rules about whether or not you can maintain a friendship, but I really do think there's hard and fast rules about needing to set those ground rules to say, you know, how we are at work and how we are out of work need to be separate. And there can't be any, okay, I'm talking to you now as a friend, not as your boss, because there's no difference. Yep. And it really has to be firm and and talked about openly and honestly and authentically ahead of time so that you can, you know, just a, adjust as you go and, and talk about it openly. And I think that would likely decrease any sense of resentment. And I think most people really appreciate authentic, open and honest conversation. Well, one thing, and I, you kind of poked on it, and I want to bring it to the forefront. One of the things that we teach at TCN is a role description. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you that you could be thinking about here is, do you think that role descriptions would be part of the solution? And so I think I need to describe for the listeners, 
A role description is not a job description. And the best analogy is, think of a play. If you've ever been part of a play before and you've read for a part, you had a role that you needed to play. And that may seem, well, what does that got to do with work? Well, every day, whether you know it or not, it is a performing art. The question is, what are you performing? Well, as an organization, you don't leave that to chance. This is the role that we need performed at a uh, by the bedside level, but also at a leadership level. And so being transparent with each other about this is my role, this is your role, I think also further kind of, it then gives you a framework to then even create the ground rules because it now level sets. And it's interesting, my mentor, Dr. Lee Thayer, taught me that role descriptions apply to every part of life, a husband and a wife, partners, they can actually have role descriptions. Otherwise, um, an uncomposed life is a life that doesn't end up the way you want it to actually come out. And the same thing within an organization. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts, Christine? Is a role description, does this help kind of going from that peer to now being a leader? I think it absolutely does. And and I think it would be a great springboard for that one-on-one conversation with your team to say, here is the role that I have been asked to play in this organization. Here are my commitments. This is my focus and, and so they understand that it's not that you're, you're hung up on the title, it's that you're focused on how do I serve this organization best and, you know, by extension, serve you as a team best. Um, I also am intrigued by the concept of a role description outside of work. And I'm wondering, you know, if you were in a position where you had a really close friend that you were now a leader of. I'm, I really am intrigued by the idea of together sitting down and creating a role description for friends. So Absolutely. you would have a role description at work. I think that might be a beautiful solution uh, for anybody confronted with having a close friend that they're now a leader for. Composing that role description, I think, would be brilliant. Yeah, that's, you know, um, not to get too philosophical, but I think this you'll appreciate this framing. So remember, Dr. Thayer was Stephen Covey's uh, mentor. And what was Stevie Covey known for is the seven habits. So if you remember, one of the early habits was, what's your cause and purpose in the world? Then write that script and live it. In other words, what's the intention? Well, Thayer had this belief of, well, gosh, I've got all these issues. Well, what role do you want to play in the world? Write that role description and now live up to it. And all of a sudden, you're able to leapfrog issues and challenges that you have. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but it is a very appreciative approach to the world. I've actually seen it work in every aspect. And as you know, Christine, we have role descriptions within TCN um, because composing an organization is how you tell a beautiful story. Think of your favorite movie. Um, like, you know, I'm a huge, I don't know about you. I love, our kids love Lord of the Rings. And because it's got such a robust, diff, you know, all these various characters. Mm-hmm. And without those characters, you don't have the storyline. And with those characters, you get a beautiful story. Well, that's mm-hmm. a metaphor because an organization, whether we know it or not, we're telling beautiful stories. Is it by chance or is it intentional? And by casting people in roles that this is the role that we need played and the best role descriptions are calling you up, um, a really great role description, you're like, ooh, I'm not sure if I can master that. That's when you know you got a good role description because now it's challenging you that you got to go to a different level. So I actually think, yes, that's a brilliant idea. And sitting down and composing that together um, is a wonderful thing. And some of the um, theory, uh, Margaret Wheatley is, or Meg Wheatley is, uh, uh, love Meg Wheatley's stuff. And you'd appreciate Christine because she got all of her training and family systems background. So you can imagine where that wisdom came from. 
And she said 95% of organizational issues, but also family issues, are due to unclear roles and expectations. So this is definitely a big nugget that if you're going from that peer to that leader, if you have unclear roles and expectations, you're already trying to take a difficult um, uh, pathway. And mm -hmm. if you don't address that, then you're really setting yourself and your friend kind of up for failure. So absolutely. And I think boundaries are really just a way of maintaining those expectations that ideally you have come together to discuss openly, uh, where I think, you know, trying to set boundaries outside of that context can be taken a, in a different way than maybe intended. Well, Christine, what final thoughts do you have? This is a, such a robust topic. We could, we always yes. try to keep them concise, but any final thoughts? You know, I think the most important thing is to, you know, maintain your openness, be curious, um, maintaining your integrity through the whole process and remembering that, you know, there will be life lessons and it won't go smoothly 100% of the time. But, uh, you know, there's opportunities to grow and seek out mentors um, to help you along the way as you navigate these challenging waters. Perfect. And you guys could always reach us at the contact us on the TCM website. And we could get you in contact with Christine if you've got some direct questions. Christine, thanks so much for your wisdom today. And as we always do, I want to leave you with the book in. And so this is a quote that Christine picked out that I thought was perfect. And you can see it on the screen, those of you who are watching. If serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks. <laughs>